and welcome in. It's been a while since I did one of these. It's Nick Shepkowski, the managing editor of Fighting Irish Wire, part of the USA Today's College Wires family of Wire Network sites there, covering college football, college basketball, college, just about everything. This one going to be Notre Dame specific, as is life over at FightingIrishWire.com. Quickly, an introduction of myself. Some of you probably stumbled upon this, the readingfightingirishwire.com. Thank you for everyone who does. Without you, that would not be possible as we continue to try to grow the content, grow the readership, and, and grow what then we're able to do there. Another successful season. Excited to, to have welcomed aboard John Kennedy from Always Irish to the team this year. And not just a successful year for Notre Dame, some highs, some lows. I think it was successful for our site, some highs and lows throughout the year as well. But in this episode, I will, I'll, at the end of things, I'll kind of touch of what I want this podcast to be. It's been a while since an old radio guy has gotten into the audio world on a regular basis. So want to uh, touch on what I want this to be, how you can interact with this show, and hopefully make it a better experience for, uh, for each and every one of you as well. But this we're going to talk about the Gator Bowl. What an awesome game. Um, lots of things to get to, quarterback-wise, Tommy Reese-wise, future, lookout, um, somebody I want to give a game ball to for their efforts, and something from the broadcast that I found just downright embarrassingly bad by ESPN. Tons of that to get to in terms of this in terms of this Notre Dame win, the, the, the Gator Bull victory that caps a 9-4 season. And I want to start off with, we can argue, does it matter? Does it not matter? Oh, what's the importance of a bowl game? What's the significance of a bowl game? Let me just start with this. You know if you're a college football fan, it doesn't matter if you're a Notre Dame fan, if you're a fan of whoever, there are undoubtedly people in your life, hell, fellow college football fans that will tell you, oh, bulls are dumb. There's too many bowl games. Bowl games are stupid. Well, that must suck for someone like that to then not be able to objectively just enjoy a game like, like that was the Gator Bowl. Downright absurd at times, yes. I think when uh, Tyler Buckner threw the second pick six, just about I mean, half of the Midwest that was watching and rooting for Notre Dame, I mean, I can't begin to imagine the words that were uh, combined and described uh, to, to describe that play and that play call specifically. The ridiculousness of all of it. Fake punts for touchdowns. You have two pick sixes for scores in that game. Uh, leading into it, you had the ridiculous Sun Bowl between Pitt and UCLA that went down to the final play. You had a college football playoff that congratulations for the first time in, in the nine runs that we've had. Both semifinal games were incredibly entertaining. Sure, they were high scoring, incredibly entertaining games. TCU and Georgia for the national championship. So it's the first time we get that. But those people that look and say that bowl games, they can't enjoy them if they're not the college football playoff, it sucks to be you because there is some damn entertaining. Listen, you're not going to see a portrait of the 2022 Gator Bowl, or is that technically the 2023 Gator Bowl? I never know how they do these things. You're not going to see a portrait of that hanging next to the Mona Lisa anytime soon. It wasn't the prettiest of sorts. I mean, Tyler Buckner threw three interceptions and he walked away as the game's MVP at least based on the voters there. I have somebody else I'd give my game ball to for their efforts for Notre Dame that day. We'll get to that in a minute. But just my initial thoughts are, my God, 
Sucks to be you. That's all I'll say about that part. But what does it mean for Notre Dame? What does it mean with takeaways? What does it mean in terms of what you take away with, with this Notre Dame team, some of the takeaways from the college football playoff? I It's the second bowl game in a row we've seen Notre Dame come out and try to light up the scoreboard. And not to say they don't, they don't try to score points during the year, but play with tempo, not necessarily worry about ball control and slowing things down necessarily. That scoring, I, I when's the last time... I don't know without looking it up, and looking it up could take a heck of a lot of time. When's the last time Notre Dame had two touchdowns in a game scored on the first play of a possession? You had that with the Logan Diggs long 75-yard touchdown reception um, just before halftime, and you had that on the Braden Lindsey touchdown that tied things up late in the third quarter. And that's the, I don't know, just off the top of my head, this is not a quick strike offense. It hasn't been for quite some time. And is that a sign of things to come? Or is that just the South Carolina defense that was kind of beat up on? But that was one of my takeaways was, holy cow, I don't know the last time it happened once, let alone twice. What is Tyler Buckner is a question I think most Notre Dame fans now have. It seems like it's imminent that we're just waiting on the Sam Hartman news, transfer grad, transfer quarterback from Wake Forest, for that to become official and for him to be Received as Notre Dame's starting quarterback going into 2023, which all signs point to that being the case here in a matter of days. I was trying to think of like what Tyler Buckner, what he reminds me of or who he reminds me of. And his throwing motion, that quick throwing motion and just kind of the, the, the different angle that it's able to come off as. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but some of the arm angles and some of the very I mean, on the run, on the move, maneuvering of his body to get throws off, that was Patrick Mahomes-like. If I were to compare him to kind of like a quarterback, at least a performance that you saw, I that felt like, and I've watched a lot of Bears games over the years, being in the Chicago suburbs pretty much my entire life, that felt scarily similar to what Jay Cutler was for so many years with the Bears. There's multiple times in that game where you look at Tyler Buckner where he's throwing the ball at the feet of wide-open targets on his own team, missing wide-open throws. Um, I mean, he was unaware of the safety moving over on that second pick six. It's hard to blame him too much for the deflected first interception that gets returned for a touchdown, but, I mean, it still goes down as an interception return for a touchdown in the scorebook, but... There were plenty of times where you're like, what in the hell was that? And that reminded me of the Jay Cutler part because you saw the incredible athleticism. You saw multiple times where he is getting, where Buckner is under just immense pressure, about to get drilled and deliver strikes. I mean, you saw it on the Lindsey touchdown pass. that the, the hit that Buckner took within, I mean, a tenth of a second and letting go of that ball. I For all the what-the-hells that were in there, there were some true, absolute, holy shits as well. Like, there were some impressive, impressive plays in there as well by Buckner. So you take it as a whole. He gets voted the game's MVP in that one. And congratulations to Tyler Buckner. I mean, that's a heck of a performance for a kid that's been, been injured since the start of September. What, September 10th was that game against Marshall where he went out. Obviously, the rust was there early on. 
and he was able to shake it off, perform at a very high level. He walks away with the game MVP award. It's not who I would have given the game ball to had I had a uh, – he's going to go work in the business world, and, and all the best to him in doing that. was an up-and-down career for Lindsay. feels like forever ago in 2019 when they ran the – Grant was at the reverse against USC, and he takes off down the sideline, and you see 25 running away from people, and you can't help but have flashbacks to a to an old number 25 back in the day, a Rocket, Rocket Ishmael doing the same thing to plenty of teams. And you thought, wow, they can get this speed, and they can get this guy figured out. This is a weapon. 2020 comes, and he's battling injuries with his hamstring that never got quite right that year. And the last two seasons have been ups and downs. Uh, probably frustrating for him a good amount of of what he was able to produce. Uh, that's not all his fault by any means. I mean, there are a lot of times that it seemed like when you watch games this past year, Lindsey was able to work himself open and his speed and he was able to, to do what he was able to do and he just wasn't able to get him the ball whether that's because Drew Pine was locked into Michael Mayer, understandably so in some cases, but not being able to go through a progression, or he just didn't have the arm strength to trust himself to push the ball downfield. Lindsey probably had for his final year of playing football was probably pretty frustrating in there for, for large chunks for him. And, I mean, if I had a game ball, Braden Lindsey would get that. Why? Oh, because he had the game-tying touchdown? No, not just because of that. You look at three of the very most important plays Notre Dame had on the, in this win, and who was making those plays for them? Okay, go back to the touchdown. Notre Dame's down, was it 21-14 or 24-17? I forget what the heck the score was right before halftime. They're trailing by 7, though, or they're trailing by 10, rather. I think it's 24-10 to at this point. They're trailing. And about six minutes to go, five minutes to go before halftime, they get the ball at their own 25. It's like, okay, we'll cut into this score somehow. South Carolina had just kicked a field goal to go back up 14. And that's that's what it was. And you're looking and you're saying, all right, get into this lead, get into halftown down seven, thinking that's going to be a typical Notre Dame drive, come out pounds, maybe short passing game. And instead, Buckner throws the ball into the right flat into, uh, to Logan Diggs. And it was hard to see live, but when they showed the replay, who, who's the little guy out there knocking a defensive back on their can and really propelling digs for the big yardage initially that turns into a touchdown? It's Braden Lindsay. Braden Lindsay throws a hell of a block on that play that by the time the camera pans to it and gets him in the, in the, in the shot, the defender is already getting up from it because he had been knocked down so quickly. And the plays past the defender, he's he's accounted for. He's out of the out of the picture in it in terms of being able to make a play on it. Braden Lindsay did that. Game tying touchdown pass. I mean, Lindsay Buckner delivered a hell of a ball, but that's a receiver going and making a play in Lindsay there. And then go to the fake punt that extends the drive on the possession that Notre Dame finally takes their first lead of the game in this one, and they go up. Um, they go up by, by a touchdown. Who was it on the fake punt that executes that? Braden Lindsey. That, that's able to get first down yardage. Notre Dame extends that drive. They go. They score the touchdown. They go up by a score in it. And I, I would just wanted to say that, I mean, that's a hell of a way to go for a guy that's had some ups, downs throughout, not just this year, but his time at Notre Dame. 
and all the power to him. I mean, congratulations to him. He's going off to work in the real world now. Um, good luck to you, kid. Like, he went out on an incredibly high note. Went out, and they answered the call. They answered the bell. And they looked a heck of a lot better as this game went on. Um, after the struggles, after the slow, slow start. I, I think that Al Golden, I've got questions. The red zone defense this year was a disaster. You, were bent, you weren't doing the bend and not break type thing all that often teams were making a bend and more often than not you were breaking when you got deep i i need more out of the red zone defense in uh next year i really do just it's it's one of those of you know teams are going to get yards in, in modern college football but it's, it's if you saw the college football playoff games this past weekend you know that's the case that's the game has changed it's not the defense don't win championships you need to stop somebody along the way too but you have to be able to be built in order to win shootouts if you're going to win at the highest of levels. And you got to be able to come up with stops. Teams are going to gain yards, keep them out of the end zone. Notre Dame didn't do that enough this year. But after a very strugglesome first 20 or so minutes in this game, defense really answered the bell. One thing I thought was absolutely ridiculous, and I went back and watched it to make sure it actually happened before I got on here and complained again because I put it on Twitter during the game. I was like, did this just happen? And they didn't acknowledge it. And then 10 minutes later, they still hadn't acknowledged it. And then by the end of the game, they hadn't acknowledged it still. The key third down that South Carolina is driving, and they're trying to retake the lead after Lindsay, I believe, had tied it. They convert the third and two on the tight end shovel pass. And freshman sensation Benjamin Morrison, who had the interception in sixth of the year earlier in the contest, he makes the tackle, and they go to commercial break because he remains down. You never got an answer on ESPN that, hey, that's a freshman All-American, or an all-freshman All-American, or whatever the hell, however you describe it, whatever it is. It's a Notre Dame defensive back that's a true freshman that had six interceptions on the year up to that point that went out of the game. What happened, which isn't all that surprising, right after he went out of the game, you saw South Carolina start to be able to move the ball again through the air with regularity. You saw them take off in that department. It wasn't a coincidence that that's when Benjamin Morrison went out. Now Morrison seems like he's good. It's not any like lingering thing. He's not going to be out for some extended amount of time. It's not going to cut into his offseason. It sure as heck doesn't appear. But I thought that was utterly ridiculous that you have one of the absolute biggest playmakers and biggest key players on Notre Dame's defense that was playing a hell of a game. He goes out with injury in the third quarter after making a tackle, and it doesn't even get mentioned that, oh, yeah, that was that was Benjamin Morrison that went out for Notre Dame. No, that wasn't even – it was just a, yeah, you got to love the tight end on a shovel pass and the excitement of that. And, I mean, I – my God, the SEC love that ESPN gives during their broadcasts. Get a towel to clean up after yourself. My goodness, you should be almost embarrassed in a way. But shout out to Brandon Benjamin Morrison for what was a phenomenal freshman year. I mean, the sky is the limit with, with that. And I think that Mike Mickens is a guy, he's come in and been Notre Dame's secondary, well, not secondary coach, but defensive back or specifically cornerbacks coach here the last couple of years. And you've seen the talent in that room rise and continue to rise and improve. And guess what? There's more cavalry coming. Like you're, you're seeing Notre Dame 
who's been traditionally really good defensively up front here the last while, control the lines of scrimmage. Wasn't as much the case this year. Can they turn it around next year? But you're seeing those skilled guys in the back half really start to grow. And all it does is make you that much more excited for for the start of next year. So much to do, so much to happen before that, though. Seems like we're just a matter of maybe days or hours until Notre Dame lands a new quarterback in Sam Hartman. We'll talk about that at length when it does occur. But I wanted to get just a couple of moments here to, to share with you some ideas, some thoughts I have for this going forward. Um, if you follow my work, there's probably two chances you ever came across my work. Most recently here, the last few years, I've been working as a managing editor at FightingIrishWire.com. That's where I spent um, last few years since 2019, October 2019. I took over that site. Um, have been thrilled with the work that my teammates have done there. Mike Chen, uh, Jeff Fair, and Jeffrey Clark have been with me for for quite some time there. Uh, you'll probably hear from from them at times at points during this as well as John Kennedy, as Always Irish, the magical voice of Always Irish Incorporated, has joined us this year. He was he made his rookie debut. He was almost our bomb. He was essentially our Brandon Morrison because he was a star freshman for us, made instant contributions. But no, um, what I'm looking forward to do with this is I know there's a bunch of outlets out there. There's a lot of Notre Dame podcasts. There's a lot that break down X's and O's extremely well. There's a lot that do the strong voice your opinions and I'm going to be ticked off type of thing. And that's fine. That's all fine and dandy. I just want to be honest. I want to be when I'm damn excited about something. I want to share that with you when I have questions about something and maybe don't have answers. I want to share my questions with you and, 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 and thoughts on that. When I feel like taking a trip down memory lane, cause it's the middle of June and I'm looking for some content for the site. And it happens to be a former Notre Dame stars birthday. I'd love to reach out to them, talk to them, and throw down a little bit of memory lane, those type of things as well. So I, if you guys have ideas, interests, and what might be fun, might be creative ideas, always down to hear them. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter. If you do that, that's the best way to get a hold of me, at Nick Shepkowski. I'm just looking forward to this, though. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been doing anything with any regularity in terms of audio, and it's time. It's time to do it. Um after spending almost 15 years in, in radio in Chicago, getting out of it a little bit, it's time to get back to doing some audio stuff. So I'll be sharing my thoughts on here through through however long we can make this thing last, and you'll be hearing various different voices on it as well. Thank you for listening to this first episode, though. It is Fighting Irish Wired. The website's fightingirishwired.com. We'll be checking out Sam Hartman, hopefully here in the couple next days or hours that it might be that we break him down, and so much more. Everything Notre Dame football-wise and the women's basketball team. They're back and seemingly as strong as ever, so we'll, we'll probably give them some love throughout the winter as well because the basketball team, the men's one, sure as heck can't, be say, can't say the same for that right now. But thanks for listening. Thanks for checking this out. Do me a favor. Hit subscribe. A rating on the bottom as well and we'll be able to make this thing go with uh, with some regularity thanks a lot sam hartman watch is in full effect and we'll probably be breaking that down next on our very next episode of fighting irish wired i'm your host nick shepkowski have a great rest of your night